0: we're back (laughs) hey coach mel here welcome back to the podcast after a much too long unintentional hiatus as a thank you for your understanding we've got a mega episode today split into three we're going to cover alicia's entire six or seven week season across three episodes and let me tell you it's a great story full of ups and downs that we've all been through as coaches and you're going to enjoy every minute of it so if you're new to the podcast you may want to go to the previous episode to get a sense of where alicia was at mentally at the beginning of the season we did miss out recording some of the raw emotion of what she went through but trust me you'll feel it in your coach's heart Alrighty, enough from me. Let's jump right in. Get your head in the game, coach. You're about to get your audio dose of softball
1: inspiration. I'm Melanie Rushing, And I'm Alicia Smith. And we help softball teams win more games and have more fun.
0: Right now, you're joining thousands of passionate coaches across the nation who are dragging the field, prepping for the day, or driving to that other job while they learn and grow as a coach.
1: So if you're ready to learn how to build a strong team culture, get your players to believe and make a real difference in their lives, you're in the right place.
0: This is the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. All right, guys, I'm excited to jump back in it's been forever. First, thank you everyone for being patient with Mel. Uh, a lot of things going on, good things, I promise. Uh, but I am super excited to be back and super appreciative that Alicia has a great memory because <laughs> I'm making her go all the way back to the beginning of her season, which really wasn't that long ago comparatively because um, it flies so fast. But you guys, it's going to be a good one. So i'm gonna turn over to you alicia i'm just gonna let you go i will ask i'll hold my questions till the end most likely you never know with me i might pop in (laughs) but let's start right at the beginning start with tryouts till everybody quickly we went over tryouts i think the first week um but go over it briefly of how it was going what you expected what you foresaw, and then take us to now
1: um, okay, so you know, going back to the beginning of, of tryouts, right? We we started our season here in Michigan about two weeks later than we normally do, so that only gave us about nine days or ten days of actual tryouts and practice before spring break. So, um, we had decided that we weren't going to officially make the teams until after spring break because we weren't sure about how the COVID testing was going to go and eligibility was going to go and a bunch of different things. So, um, once we got back from spring break. Um, the kids had to start testing weekly here in Michigan. So every every Sunday, the softball players at least every Sunday had made a an appointment to get their tests. So first week back from spring break, and we didn't have any positives, so that was a really good thing. Um, because a lot of our kids did go um out of town, but I think it was just you know, we just reminded them before they left to please take all the precautions necessary just to make sure that they were safe. So um, We had two practices and then our first game on the 14th of April, which right now seems eons ago, but it was really only about six weeks, I think, right? So maybe seven, I've lost count, but uh, our first team that we played was a team that's a little north of here and it was a really competitive two games. Um, I don't remember the scores offhand, but I, I know that they were very close and we had a chance to win both in the last at bat. So I was very encouraged by, by that. You know, we did lose both games, but I think that, um, you know, they were high-scoring games, they were close games, and we seemed to have a lot of energy around playing. I think the girls were just excited to play. And, you know, I was, I was really encouraged. So the very next day we had our crosstown rival, um, and we ended up splitting with them. So we lost the first and then won the second. The second game was actually in Mercy And I believe the first game we had a chance as well close to the end of the game to either win or tie tie or go uh, or to win the game. So I think that that was, again, the first two days were just like four games, you know, in the first week already. And it is, we, our offense was really good. You know, I was uh, definitely encouraged by that and and I could tell our defense did a lot of work. So not knowing really what to expect coming into those to that first week, you know, overall I was pleased. I was pleasantly surprised, but I do as any coach at the beginning of any season, boy, you have a laundry list of things you need to work on. And because part of it too, right. Is that we didn't have the time beforehand, So we didn't have the time to work on the first and third plays and all of those things that pop up. So we were keeping a running tally or a list in the dugout of, Oh, we need to work on that. Oh, we need to work on that. So no big deal. Obviously that's part of the season. That's part of what you have to deal with. It would just seem to be magnified a little bit this year, just because of the shortened start. So um, then we had a couple days off and then we had our first tournament and our offense disappeared. So which, you know, in your mind, when you take a step back, you totally understand, obviously offense is never going to be 10, 15 runs a game all the time consistently And we were popping up. We weren't, you know, we weren't sitting back and waiting on, we didn't have good pitch selection. Um, Our pitchers were not consistent. They were a little wild. Um, We had a lot of walks. So defense was booting some really basic ground balls. And I just felt like the wheels had come off of this train (laughs) so quickly. I wasn't sure what I was watching. I mean, it was just really, really ugly and very frustrating because, you know, just two days ago, they, they had done, I thought for the first couple games had done fairly well. But this particular weekend was just ugly from the start. I think we scored one run in two of the three games. Um, and then the next one was another close game where, again, we had the winning run on second base. Um, but couldn't bring them home. So I'm like, at least we had that last game where we were competitive and we did come from behind, but we still fell short again. So first week we had one win and, you know, I will preface this by saying it's never about the win or loss for me. I, I know I've talked on this podcast a lot for me, but I am also not loose, loose used to losing at all. So at that time, I think we were one in six. I'm like, okay, like first week, you know, we haven't really had high school softball in two years. Right. So let's just, take a step back and reevaluate when we come back to, to the next week and let's focus on the positives and we'll continue to focus on the things we need to work in, work on. And then we went to <laughs> another rival on the lakeshore <laughs> and it was probably the ugliest loss of my entire career. I think we gave up 11 runs in one inning. Um, and we should have been out of it with just two. Like that's how, with just two runs. So that's really how bad it was. And there's nothing left to say after the wheels fall off. There's nothing else left to fall off, but the stuff parts kept falling off and it just got worse and worse and worse. And I mean, I'm talking of routine ground balls dropped, um, not running on drop third strikes, drop hot flies. Um, we ended up losing 18 to four and those four runs were all solo home runs. So That was the only offense we could generate. I think we missed signs, couldn't steal. I mean, just everything. And it was really, really ugly. Um, And then we had a couple days of practice and had yet another tournament. And we lost again the first game. And I was just baffled on how bad our defense was. And I felt like, the energy just wasn't there. I felt if it was there, it was forced. Um, it didn't feel genuine. And I think that part is, was the most frustrating because I am all about the controllables. And I say that every single day, your energy, your focus, your effort, all of those are always 100% controllable. So I just felt like they just, it just, something was missing, and it just became this really frustrating thing for both, for all of us, right? The, the, my assistants and I. And we just didn't know what to do. So we ended up winning the next two games, um, which, was, which was, I guess, good for the ego. But if we didn't win those two games, then I might as well have just quit coaching because they – You know, you know, the poor team had was on their third pitcher and their third pitcher got injured and they brought in someone who used to pitch in Little League a few years ago. Like that's sometimes what you have to do. Right. So we should win those games. Let's be real. So we ended up winning the next two games. I'm like, okay, again, it wasn't about the win. They just didn't feel good. Right. It just didn't feel good. So we had we had quite a few days between. That particular tournament and our next one, Um, because we've had we we have been uh, very good about the COVID testing. We have not lost any games. We didn't have to um, quarantine or do anything. Um, Not one player has tested positive this entire time. But we do have other teams that have unfortunately tested positive, so we had to do some reschedules. So um, we went to the east side of the state to play in a tournament, and the first game like was the of the tournament, which is the first of May. So here we are changing the calendar from April to May. And usually in my mind, that's what in our season, when you switch the calendar from April to May is when things start to shift a little bit. You've got some games under your belt. You've, you've started to kind of figure out, you've had some practices under your belt. You have a more uh, consistent defense. Your pitching is a little tighter. Your offense is a little better. Um, and the first game we won, we had, we had the best energy in this tournament, right, in the first of May uh, that we've ever had all year. And then the second game it just wasn't there. So we always try to tell them that anytime you go into districts or regionals, it's two games. You have two games. So it's just like a doubleheader. It's no different. So when you practice these doubleheaders, basically, you have to practice the energy management and everything for two straight games because that's just what you have to do. So we ended up losing that game. And then we had a home game the following week. And again, shot ourselves in the foot. Um, They were a little more competitive. We did have the opportunity again to win in the last inning. Um, In a lot of these games that we had an opportunity to win in the last inning, we had maybe decided that by the fifth inning, we're going to start fighting. We're, by the fifth inning, we're going to start cheering. The fifth inning, we're going to start hitting and competing. And that was the word I kept using. I felt like they weren't competing. Uh, when you take a third strike looking, you're not competing. That's, that's what I feel. That's what I think. That's what I coach. When you're not diving for balls, you're not competing. When you're not trying to really get the out as a pitch. You're just not competing. And I think that that was the most frustrating thing. The energy wasn't there. They just weren't competing. So we had, we had gone to, so we lost those two games again. And then we go to another, another away game. And one of the assistant coaches happened to mention to me that we were, Oh, I see that your honorable mention in the state rankings. And I literally laughed out loud. And I said, we are four and 12. How on earth are we? It, I said, that is completely undeserved. We don't belong there. We are four and 12. And when I said that out loud, I said, Oh my God, we're four and 12. <laughs> so, you know, and mentally, I, I don't know what happened to me, but it was really hard for me. I, I, I don't handle that well because I didn't feel like we were putting our best foot forward. It wasn't about like, if we had lost all 12 games and they were, they were competing and super energetic and every game was close it would have felt a lot different, but it felt even worse than four and 12 because we did not look like Madeline off at all. And I don't think I've ever been that frustrated, maybe ever. Um, And I was really searching for, for answers. Like, and I've had this before, but it was a lot worse because it wasn't, again, it was, they just didn't even act like they really cared or wanted to be there. Now, did they necessarily it was that true? Probably not, but we had a lot of heart to hearts. Like we started pulling them into the locker room and having conversations with them. And I just flat out asking, him what the heck is wrong. And they said things like, we feel more pressure than we do in travel, which to me blows my mind because in travel, like in theory, you're being recruited. Right. And a college coach watching you has to be way more pressure than playing for high school. Um, and I think, I think there were two things. One, only three of those kids in the entire program out of 26 has ever played for me before or had varsity experience. We, d- we didn't have the chance to develop the relationships from coach to player, player to player, and player to coach. Um, they didn't know how to handle, I don't think, my level of expectation and intensity because that's pretty clear every single day that I expect your full effort every single day. So what I told them is when I don't see your full effort, I that is perceived as you not caring. So I want you to give me everything you got because we as coaches are giving you everything we've got. And a couple, uh, about a week or a like and a half ago, my assistant coach got really upset after the game because she missed her baby's first steps. So, I think that that was a, an emotional toll on her and the kids didn't know that. Right. The kids didn't know that. And she knew I would understand because obviously coaching for so long, um, you know, during this time frame, Taylor's 12th birthday came and went and we had to squeeze celebrating her birthday in between my tournament and her soccer game in the evening. So, you know, I ran home, we had cake and ice cream and open presents. And we said, got to go to soccer. Right. So I, I understand the level of sacrifice, I think from a parent coach, even though I'm not coaching my own child, right? So I think that I think that, that was in the back of my mind. It was in the back of my, assistant mind, my assistant's mind and my other assistant who also has um, a three-year-old boy at home. So all three of us are working moms. Um, all three of us have awesome supportive husbands that are really helping hold down the household, but it's a lot harder on their husbands because they're younger, uh, and younger children. Right. So it's a little, you know, Taylor can be okay by herself, but yet some of these younger kids really need their moms and they're not used to not having their mom around. Right. So I think that was also starting to wear on the coaches because we started talking often to say, if they don't care, why should we, even though we knew that wasn't the right thing to say, that's what it felt like. Right. That's obviously we know we're not quitting or giving up on them, but that's what it felt like at the time. And so we ended up winning two pretty ugly games. I don't want to say a wins win I'll take it, but it was just, it continued to be ugly. And it was like, you're just waiting for it to kind of turn itself around. And it didn't. And then <laughs> we go to another way game. And I I, happened, I had to be late to that game that day. So I came in into the third inning and we were down one, nothing. And they fought and it seemed to be a good game we lost by one. Okay. Next, next game we get 10 run. So I have lost track of wins and losses at this time. I believe we only had six wins and I think we're something like six and 18 or six and 16 or 16 and 14. Maybe, I don't know. Way too many losses on last either getting your rear end kicked or just the fact that we just lost because we had an opportunity to win at the last uh, at bat and we didn't, but even those games didn't feel good. You know what I mean? So Those first, you know, I don't, 20-some games were ugly, ugly, ugly. And it just seemed like softball in general was ugly, right? Every team that was winning almost seemed like they were winning ugly. Um, And a lot of the coaches that I talked to felt the same. So we were like, "What? how on earth could one high school season do this to our kids? Because as soon as high school was canceled last year, all these kids got to go into travel they played summer ball they played fall ball they did winter training so it's not like they hadn't picked up a bat or a ball in two years but it looked like they hadn't you know so it was just really strange so at this point i think i kept telling them you know we're we're in almost i don't know 10 days into may and I'm like, you guys, we have three weeks to turn this train around. Is it possible? Yeah. And I think a couple of things happened. One, uh, we did actually, let me step back. We did bring the softball Olympics back because we thought if you're not competing let's show you how to compete, right? So we did, and they were so competitive. I mean, some of the skills were, they were fun to watch. They were, they were yelling and screaming, supporting each other and they competed like crazy. I mean, they had a fruit roll up that they had like put swallow and eat quickly without using your hands. And it looked like some of these kids practiced that in their room. I'm like, how are you so good at getting a fruit roll up in your mouth so quickly, but you won't compete up to bat? Like, what the? Ah." So they started. So after that, I thought maybe that would help. That didn't help. So then it was like one one practice. uh, I had to leave early to take my daughter to soccer practice which I don't have to do that often, but that day I did. So I asked the assistants, do you want me to come back? They're like, no, we got it. So I had gotten a text that evening how ugly practice was after I left. So I went to bed mad, which means I woke up mad. So I stayed mad all day until I got to practice. So when I got to practice, I was still mad. I was actually really just disappointed but they did the same thing they do every day did the warm up, come on to the field and start taking field or uh, taking team D. And the first bad throw, I lost it because I've been watching this for six, five weeks, maybe four or five weeks, constant mediocrity is what I called it. And do I know they're capable of better? Yes. Do I expect better? Yes. I expect them to be able to throw and catch. Throw and catch. And I expect you to give me your best effort. So um, a couple games ago, I'm not proud of it, but I'll, I'll share it with the podcast. Uh, we had booted probably the 15th ground ball of the, of the double header, and I, I threw a helmet in the out and it bounced, and then I kicked it. Well, I ended up kicking my shin. And I yelled at them, aren't you sick of this? <laughs> because how are you, not, like from the three coaches on the sideline between us, we will probably have a competition on who's the most competitive. How are you not pissed off? How are you not upset that you just got your butt kicked? How are you not upset that you constantly just, eh, I a ground ball. And if you do, if it tips off your glove, why aren't you going to run to get it? So, I mean, that was the tipping point for me, right? It was, it was a line drive that tipped off the, the glove of the second baseman and trickles into right field. And if you trust, if you had actually run to go get the ball, you may have actually made the out at first, but it was a jock. And that's, that's when I lost it. And I know as coaches, we struggle with that. Every coach who ever has coached or is listening to this podcast struggles with being so angry, you don't know what to do. And I felt like a caged animal because normally what I do is I take a walk but I was at the other end of the dugout and I was trapped and it is my weakness, my emotions, 100% are my, is my weakness. And so it just seemed like nothing that we said or did worked. And we talked often every day, almost what an honor and a privilege it is to wear the Jersey. And I thought, you know what? They're hearing me say this. It's kind of like, listen, it's like your kid, you know, listening to your mom. They don't hear everything. So I said, I have collected many, many letters from former players and videos over the course of my career. So I started going to, I save everything and I started going through my letters. So every day I would find a different letter and I would print it out and I would lay it. I would spread it out in the locker room on the benches before they got to practice. So when they got into the locker room, they had something to read. So every day, over and over and over, they were reading what the jersey meant to the people who actually wore them. And ironically, if you read, the, read these letters, they're eerily similar. Blood, sweat, and tears. You have a program that means a lot. Um, it means everything. It's an honor. You've got to give everything you got all the time. Coach will push you, but it's because she loves you. And so I thought maybe that would help for them to understand. So they've read many of them. So after that last game that I was talking about where we were away and we got mercyed, I stood back for a minute and I watched uh, the coaches and I talked and we just watched what they were doing in the right field, waiting for us to come talk to them. So I said to the coach, assistant coaches, I, I don't know what else to say. They said, then don't. So I walked out and I said, be at the field tomorrow by two 30. And I walked away and I thought, you know, stood back and kind of watched what happened and they team and they go into the dugout and they start giggling and laughing and talking about what they got to do for school. And that's, I think that was the tipping point for us because if you don't care, right. Why the hell are we here? And we talked about it in the parking lot. Like I think one of my coaches was close to tears. Um, I was so mad. I, you literally just don't know what to do with them. But deep inside, you know that they're way better than that. So then the next practice, right? When I was when I was talking about watching them, warm up and overthrowing, and I know I'm kind of messing up the order, but. It's hard to remember each day specifically in six weeks, but my point is when I got to practice really mad, right? When I was talking about how I was just really mad, it was right around the same time. And I I yelled at them to do 10 push-ups after they missed the first overthrow. I said, 10 push-ups. And the next one was an easy ground ball that they missed. Eh, 10 push-ups. So after about the third one in a row, I, I yelled at them. I said, Aren't you sick of mediocrity? because I am really sick of watching you accept it. Because it reflects on the field. It reflects in your attendance in school. It reflects in your grades, because don't forget I have access to all of that. And everything is just, you're accepting it is okay. Stop accepting mediocrity is okay. Because I don't want them to accept mediocrity and their relationships in the future. Or their effort that they put into the school, or the graduate level classes that they are gonna have, or even a college application. And it was, it, and it just kept going on and on. And I, and I didn't care if they couldn't throw the next day, if their arms were that sore. Um, they came to, to school or they came to season out of shape. Um, so finally, after about the 10th one, they booted it and they looked at me and I said, I'm not going to set the standard for you anymore. You set your own. And so then they just started doing it themselves. And so finally I just, I stopped them and I said, I want you guys to go out to center field and I want you guys to figure it out. And I don't want you to come back until you're ready to tell me what you want out of the rest of the season. Cause that's going to tell me how much more effort and time and energy I put into it.
0: Cliffhanger! <laughs> but like Netflix, you can go right on to the next one if you so choose. Head on to the next episode if you want to hear if that talk worked, if the girls got their stuff together, and if the team actually made the turnaround that they all hoped for. And I hope for too listening to this. Because I didn't know at this point. So see you in the next episode. Have a good one.